Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Faith Lead Book Hub. My name is Leanne Pomrenke on the Faith Lead team, and we are joined today by authors Drew Tucker, Susan Maros, and Tim K. Snyder to help us think about meaningful work and faithful understandings of vocation. I'm going to introduce our first author. He is Drew Tucker, the university pastor and director for the Center for Faith and Learning at Capital University. His book, 4D Formation, Exploring Vocation in Community, is aimed at the audience of young adults. Drew, we are looking forward to hearing how you talk about this with young adults. Thanks, Leanne. It's good to be with y'all today. As Leanne shared, I am fortunate to serve as university pastor at Capital University, which is a Lutheran university in Columbus, Ohio. I didn't answer the work question you posed, Leanne, because honestly, I feel a little bit tense about it. Uh, not because I don't usually have reactions, but as some of you might hear in my voice, I have COVID. I've been at home for five days, and I kind of wish I could go back to work, which is not usually how I might wake up and feel on a given day. So it's a strange but good day. I'm grateful to be with y'all, and it is a good time, I think, to talk about work because as we come out of the pandemic, or at least in this era of the pandemic, and I'm feeling it as an era currently in my own body, we are continuing to ask, what does healthy and holy and holistic work look like? What does it mean for me that I used to show up to work when I felt like this because it was just the right thing to do, right? And now I realize maybe the right thing to do is to protect other bodies and not just force myself to be present in some certain kinds of ways. Working with young adults has given me this opportunity to reflect. And so my book, 4D Formation, comes out of about a dozen years of campus ministry work at campuses from Duke University and the University of South Carolina and Virginia Tech and Radford University and now at Capitol. Um, and though it comes out of a young adult context, the principles in the book, I do want to let you know, are applied more broadly to a wider audience. And so if you're looking at it and expecting it to be a young adult book only, that's not what you're going to get. But if you're looking at it to be something that draws on the wisdom of working with young adults and has something that can apply to other contexts as well, then it's going to be something that I hope is helpful for you. Now, I, I saw how the interaction was with the chat before, so I'm not going to bet on anything showing up there, but y'all, you can surprise me. Uh, I'm curious if you would like to share in the chat, when I think about vocation, when you think about vocation, whose name or whose definition first comes to mind when we think about vocation? Whose idea of vocation first pops to mind? Tiffany, amen, right? Frederick Buechner is one who is quoted so often and so indelibly and so beautifully and powerfully in many ways. That was the first vocation quote that came to me. And I talk a bit about this in the first chapter. This idea that your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meeting, that being the place where God calls you is beautiful. But one of the things I have found with young adults in particular, um, kind of late millennials and Gen Z, is that gladness does not connote for them 
the kind of deep calling or fulfillment that Beekner intends. Beekner intends something more than happiness, I am sure, but it doesn't come off that way to many of the students and young adults that I work with. And so that's not the definition that I use anymore. That's not one that I put forward. Instead, one that I use is meaningful, life-giving work that you do for the world. Meaningful, life-giving work for the world. I say life-giving because I like to steal things from Jesus, right? He came to give life and life to the full or life abundant. And I think this idea of meaning, and this came out of our conversation in the, pre, uh, the pre-event with Susan and Tim and I, we all have this kind of meaning, at least connotation. We approach it differently. We have some different challenges to it. But meaning has something more than just happiness. Because for me, vocation with young adults is trying to empower them that what you're called to will not always be the most encouraging thing. What you're called to might sometimes be a challenging thing. And so how can we give you a sense of calling that understands your value and helps you persevere through trials without forcing you into unhealthy work, without forcing you into work that is not yours to take? Work, I do want to be clear for young adults, is something that is not just tied to money, right? And I think this is true for all of us. Work is certainly in our careers, but it's in our families and our friendships, our neighbors, our citizenship, our environment, our economy. Work is in a lot of places. And so having this idea of meaningful and life-giving work makes us then ask, how do we know which of those work belong to us? What kind of family am I called to have as a young adult with a wife, two dogs, and no children? What kind of citizen am I called to be in central Ohio in 2023? These are questions that are significant. So the way that I talk about it, I'm going to give away like the whole book. It's actually already on the cover, so the publisher gave it away too. The way that I talk about it is through four Ds, hence the title. I'm not that creative. Discover, discern, develop, decide. To understand what we are called to, our meaningful life-giving work, we discover our opportunities. We develop our skills. We discern our priorities. And we decide what's next. Now, that sounds like a very nice linear process, that it's just a kind of A, B, C, D I think we're all very aware that that's not how vocational exploration really happens in our lives. It's much more back and forth and up and down and side to side and hitting the restart button. So I don't want that to sound as though this is a surefire, guaranteed kind of elixir to vocation. Instead, it's a conceptual model to help you understand that for young adults, they are in a phase where lots of life is discovery and development. We have, I think, lost educational models to help them discern, which is a lot of the work that I think campus ministers do is help students to learn to prioritize and then to make decisions that are not overly exhausting or challenging, I think is key. Uh, One of the things that I find with this generation is they're very much like my elder millennial generation. Uh, We don't like decisions. Ask me where I want to go for dinner. I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't care. Of course I care, right? I have I have an answer, not anything with mushrooms. And 
only once in a blue moon do I want sushi. And I don't eat bread during the week. So I actually have a lot of limitations, but we don't want to make decisions for some reason. So I'm going to actually plug another book that's got nothing to do with this, but they do so well with it. Forum for Theological Exploration has a book out there called Another Way on Vocation. And they talk about decisions as your next most faithful step. That, I think, is key. It is critical for young adults. Decisions as your next most faithful step means you can try something and then realize that step was not the last step. There are many other steps yet to come. And so this non-linear process allows us to see those decisions as a part of a greater journey. Now, one of the keys of working with young adults in vocation that I try to emphasize in the book, especially, especially today, is to differentiate between identity and vocation. Really being clear to differentiate between who we are and what we do. To be clear, what you do is not who you are. We live our lives in the overlap a lot because they influence one another to be sure. And in fact, that verb to be is where I think we get caught up because I say to you, I am a straight, white, cisgendered male. And I also say, I am a pastor. I am a husband. I am a U.S. citizen. One verb describing identity and vocation. So I hope you heard in my introduction, I try to say I serve as university pastor, or I work as the director of the Center for Faith and Learning. By choosing those verbs differently is a small way to begin pulling at that differentiation. Now, one of the realities is we aren't going to be able to simply differentiate that through changing our language around the verb to be. This is going to take coaching. It's going to take encouragement. It's going to take constant reaffirmation that our students, our children, our adults, that their value is not based on their production, that our love for them and God's love for them is not based on their metrics of success at their company or in their wallet that no matter what their social media profile looks like, that they have eternal blessedness and that God adores them. It's that kind of theological continual reaffirmation that work matters, but it is not going to define God's love for us and God's appreciation of us in creation and redemption that can be so life-giving for the vocational exploration process with young adults. One helpful example I often share with students is that I uh, have work as a son, as a child of two 72 and 73-year-old parents. Uh, they are a blessing in my life, and I am their son. There is an identity piece there, but I also have a vocation as their child. And so one of the things that I get to do every time I see them is train them once again how to use their iPhone. Let me tell you, that is a vocation that I will not miss when they are gone. But there is so much that I will miss when they are gone. I'll miss the ways that I get to be with them, the ways that I get to accompany them in the building of their forever home and the celebration of my brother's kids, their niece and nephew, and the ways that they tell stories of my grandparents that we've never heard before. But when they die, though the work is gone, my identity as their child will not. 
that's the kind of differentiation that we're trying to highlight in pulling apart that that reality of identity and vocation. Even again, as I said, there is an overlap. And the other uniqueness uh, to this book that I think is valuable for us as Christians in the 21st century is that uh, I do a lot of work in interfaith and multi-faith spaces. And so the book intentionally draws on religions and worldviews beyond Christianity for examples and wisdom related to vocation. I'm very honest that I write from a Lutheran Christian perspective and that I am drawing on the wisdom of others and trying to represent it as their wisdom seen through my lens. But it is something that I have found really enriches this language because on a college campus, when we use words like vocation or calling without context in Buddhist or Muslim or Jewish or Hindu or agnostic or any other kind of tradition, there is a sense that that's nice, but it's not for me. There is something that God is doing beyond us that is still relevant for vocation, still just as beautiful and wonderful and true. And so trying to draw on these sources, Zen Master Dogen from about 900 years ago is one of those that I draw on constantly, um, is one, or these are the kinds of things that I think provide us with a way to have a vocational conversation across religious traditions. The end of the book includes appendices um, with resources that you can utilize with young adults, other books like Another Way, and a host of other resources, but also religious and spiritual resources to help you understand a bit better about those traditions that have made an appearance in the book. One of the things that I want to say lastly about this is that in the book, I play with a lot of imagery because I find that we have in higher education we have sometimes lost our appreciation for metaphor and beauty um, in the dominant approach to our worlds, and so often given away, given away only to the rough logic of things. I say that as a philosophy major in undergrad, so like I, I say that from the inside, uh, but I really believe that the way that I approach this book comes from a yearning that says I, we are called to something. So I talk about journeys that involve maps and compasses, that we're looking to stars to read our way on this journey. And who are those stars, but some of the people that are far beyond us and yet guiding our way. I point to things like street lines and concentric circles. So this kind of approach, if you are looking for something that is going to be both conceptual, but also give you a bit of language to think through how you might deploy this with young adults with people in your context that are going through the process. There's some of that language there that I think might be most helpful as well.